Hello everyone and welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I'm your host Brett Hill and Hebrews 10:23 says, "Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised." It's time once again to learn about and lean on some of God's faithful promises. So, grab your Bibles, clear your hearts and prepare your minds to receive the precious word of God. Hello everyone, welcome into our first Revelation study in the year 2024. We're continuing the study that we've had all throughout the end of last year and uh, we're in Revelation chapter 19 now. So if you don't have your Bible, pause the podcast, run, get your Bible and join us. But uh, things are getting really exciting for the believer and exciting for the Christian as we move on through here. Uh, through the book of Revelation. So starting here in the book of Revelation of chapter 19, John is saying that after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord. If you remember back in several of the chapters back, I I believe it was chapter uh, 5, all the saints of God around the throne room saying the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, They're still singing the song throughout the entire book. Uh, Look at verse number two. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore. Now, in uh, chapter 18, our last episode in 18, we talked about the great whore and who that was. This is the, the spirit of Babylon and and the scriptures calling it the city of Babylon using some uh, some good literary terms there to uh, to just use uh, Babylon as the picture to represent something else it's it's the spirit and the fornication and the adultery and and all that sinful nature the the hateful evil that is involved in that city uh, that has carried on and he's and he's talking about the spirit of the old Roman Empire as well but. <clears throat> This, he calls that spirit, everybody that has drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, the great whore. So he says, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. <clears throat> and I want to kind of explain that word fornication with it there, because if you are a whore and, and you are fornicating, then you are drawing people into your web. The people that are, uh, people that are true, let's just put it in a marriage uh perspective here. If you are married and you're happily married and you're joined to your spouse and uh, nothing can draw your eye out, you are you are completely tied to your spouse and you can't be pulled into fornication. <clears throat> but those who are not, neither on the enemy's side, those who are neither on Christ's side, but are still kind of riding the middle saying, I've got plenty of time and <clears throat> saying that, uh, oh, this don't exist or that's not true or whatever their excuse may be for not making a decision like uh, Joshua told them to do, choose you this day whom you may serve. Uh, the great whore is drawing people in, causing them to fornicate, causing them to come take a bite, causing them to come take a little time with the with the spirit and drink the Kool-Aid and see how you like it. And she's drawing people in by the millions and millions. And that's that's the picture that's being painted here because that spirit, that evil enticement 
that is all over the world that we talked about uh, in the last chapter, in chapter 18, that spirit that is enticing people and drawing people in and, and taking people to hell by the millions and just causing hell to expand herself day after day after day. This great spirit is the great whore and it is causing people to fornicate, to, to jump in and be involved. If you're committing adultery, you're already married to somebody else and you're uh, running around with a whore. But since you haven't been married to anybody else yet, it's fornication. So the devil is using this great spirit of manipulation and enticement to draw people in to get on his side and be part of him. And and the 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 voices, all the people in heaven, all these people are, are many, many voices of the great nations of people that have went to heaven, that are in heaven, those that were raptured up, those that's those that's died in the tribulation, those that's died before the rapture, all these people that's in heaven <clears throat> are singing this song and they're saying, true and righteous are his judgment for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants. So Jesus Christ, the great Savior, the Lord God Almighty, has avenged the blood of his servants, and look at that phrase, at her hand. He has used the great whore, all the people of the evil, and if you notice in the great wine press that we talked about, he draws them in and causes them to turn on themselves. He's done it in the past for Israel to cause the enemies to be stricken with blindness and turn on each other. He's done it again. He's causing them at their own hand, at the genius of God the Father, causing people to, causing the enemies of God to turn on themselves. And so he's used the great whore against herself and used them to turn on each other to destroy each other. And verse number three says, And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So we see again another sign of those who do not turn to Jesus Christ, those who won't, use, won't make him their Lord and Savior, have, have been uh, sentenced to eternal fire and brimstone, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. It's never going to quit burning. And look in verse number four, and the verse and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts. They they've been around the throne ever since chapter four. Uh, but the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God and sat on that sat on the throne, saying, "Amen, Alleluia." So I I want to tell you today that that word Alleluia in the Greek is also Alleluia in, in every other language. It, it doesn't change, it, and it means the same. It means praise you the Lord. It, it's an adoring exclamation showing that you not only praise God, but your heart completely adores him. You, you've got blinders on. You can't see anything else in this world. You can't see the great whore. You, you can't see her fornications and be lured in. You are saying, hallelujah, I adore my God so much that I don't want to take part of this stuff in this world and, and let it be part of me. And so the multitude of voices of many people in heaven, the 24 elders and the beast are all declaring to creation that they completely adore God the Father and his son Jesus. Now look at verse five, and a voice came out of, that means from around, we've seen this in previous chapters too, but the, it means somewhere around the area of the throne. It don't specifically mean the one that's sitting in the throne is saying this, 
<clears throat> it says a voice came out from around the throne saying, praise our God as ye all, as all ye his servants. So it wouldn't make sense to say that God is saying there to praise himself. But the, the Greek word out of means from around, the area from around the throne. There's voices coming from around the throne reminding people to praise God. All his servants, praise him. All you that fear him, both small and great, praise him. He's worthy of his the praise that we can give him. Now look at verse number six. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thunder is saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. All these voices again, the great multitude and many waters represent many nations and many peoples. So you hear again, all the people that's in heaven all at the same time are speaking the same thing, just like they were in the upper room at the day of Pentecost, all in one mind and one accord. These people all in heaven, all around the throne, all over heaven are in one mind and one accord speaking as if it were one voice, like you would see a song to a tempo that everybody's on the same page and on the same beat and on the same lyric at the same time, they are all saying, Hallelujah, I adore my God for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That, that word omnipotent is Strong's G3841. It's Pantoclator, he, he who holds sway over all things. He who has control, he who can can manipulate and change all things, the ruler of all, almighty God. It's saying God is absolute and universal sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful. So it's saying, hallelujah, for the all-powerful God reigns. He's in control. There are many voices crying out, God is absolute, all-powerful. He holds all power. And that word we like to use, he has dunamis power. He's in total power control today. And they're praising God and saying, we adore you that you're the one that's in total control. Now look at verse number seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. So now you see that he's he's preparing himself for the marriage supper of the lamb. He's, he's preparing himself to be joined one with us. And the word marriage there is Strong's G1062, Gamos, a wedding or marriage festival, a wedding banquet or a wedding feast. It means marriage and matrimony, the same thing it means here. And this should excite everyone because the message that we preached uh, prior the, uh, about uh, the, you've, you may have forgotten the power that you have. If you haven't read that message or listened to that message, go back one episode and the, listen to the power that you forgot that you have it, because that it tells us some things because scripture has told us since the beginning in Genesis 2 and 24, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So my the message that I'm talking to you about, uh, the power that you forgot you have, spoke of us becoming one with Christ, joint heirs with Christ, and joint uh, heirs with his inheritance from the Father that has given him that power. And all power was given to Christ when he rose from the grave. And Jesus was making a very specific statement of authority concerning us in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. As, and we see he was specifically delegating an exosia power. I, I know in the message uh, back in uh, the one we're talking about, the power you forgot you have, 
Uh, we have dunamis power. We share the same power that Christ shares, but Jesus is specifically delegating a power, so he uses the word exosia power to us for a very specific purpose in Luke chapter 10, 19, because he's trying to explain the power that we have over Satan. And so Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents. That word power is exosia power. Power delegated from one who has dunamis power. And then he says, So I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power, that word power of the enemy, is dunamis power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So this is a specific power delegated for the purpose of dominion over Satan is domain. So Jesus is using when he speaks and says, I give you exosia to tread on serpents and over the dunamis of the enemy. He's making a, he's making a specific reason why he's saying dunamis for the devil because he wants us to know that the enemy's power, all power that the enemy has, Jesus is using this combination of words to tell us that he has given us the same power he himself just used while he stepped into hell and took the power of death, hell, and the grave over Satan himself. So now here in Luke 10 and 19, Jesus is purposely delegating the power he used to give to us that we would have power over all and total power of the enemy and not just some of Satan's power. But he's saying he's using these words as he's reversed the roles, saying, I myself have delegated to you, my people, power that has total power over the enemy because I now hold the power of death, hell, and the grave and I have rendered the enemy useless and you, my people, that are joined to me like one flesh, you are you are, you are are one with me just like I am one with the Father. You're joined to me and I have given you the same power that I have just used. Why is this important? Because, listen, Revelation 19 and verse 7 that we just you just read is solidifying the promise to become one with Christ. It's final it's finalizing that name change that we have. It's finalizing our new identity in Christ showing us that we no longer identify as self, but yet we identify as Christ sees us. We identify as a, as God the Father sees us one with Christ, his only begotten son. And the, the word used here in verse number seven is wife. And it's the Greek word uh, gune. It's Strong's G1135. It means a betrothed woman. When we ask Christ to come into our heart, we were betrothed with him. We have read that contract just like the Galilean wedding. And uh, if you haven't seen that uh, movie before the wrath, you probably need to go look at it and you can understand this in great detail. But this, this Strong's G1135 that the English word wife is, is the Greek word gune. It means a betrothed woman and specifically a betrothed woman in the Galilean region, region where, where Jesus Christ was be, basing his entire ministry off of for the three and a half years he was ministering. And we have read the contract. He has made a contract with us. He sat down at the table. He gave his word. He said, my word will never pass away. But I'm saying to you, this is a new covenant with you. He broke the bread. He, he poured the wine. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. This is a new contract with you. I'm going to go away to my father's house, prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come back again and get you. 
you and take you to where I am. We have been committed to Jesus in a marriage contract ever since we first took his cup and drank from it with him, just like the world is drinking the Kool-Aid right now, the, the cup of wrath that we, we talk about. We're not physically drinking a cup but we drink the, we eat the bread and wine as a significant uh, relevance to show that we are partaking of Christ and doing it on a constant basis to remind us of who we are in Him and that we are betrothed to Jesus Christ, that He will come back one of these days and take us home to be with Him. And now, here in this verse that we're reading, the betrothal is over and the ceremony is ready to begin and the ceremony finalizes the promise that He made at the table of the Last Supper with just the Galilean wedding tradition as it's carried out as he told us with his disciples sitting around him. Look, Luke chapter 22 verse 18 and Mark 14 25 says, I'll not drink from this cup again until I do so where? In my Father's house, in heaven, around the throne room with you. John 14 and 3 says, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again to take you where I am. So that time has come. Revelation 19 here is telling us that that time has come. We have arrived at the place he's prepared for us and the wedding party begins. We completely become one with the Father as Jesus prayed in John 17 for us to become. Jesus is one with the Father. We become one with Jesus through his sacrifice for us and our faith in him. And because of that, we become one with the Father as Jesus is. We, we talk like the Father. We act like the Father. We believe like the Father. We love people like the Father. We care for others and each other like the Father. And we have a mind and understanding of things as he sees them. And so verse number eight prepares us for the ceremony. And look at verse number eight. And to her, talking about us, the bride, everyone that was granted that, uh, that eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, the bride was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen and clean and white. And listen, that's not that same robe that we put on before. This is a little different here because what, what it's saying here for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So that we're not talking about a cloth here anymore. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the price that he paid, the, the death that he died, everything that he earned through his walk on this earth, everything that he earned through his purpose of going to the cross, everything that he earned when he took the power of death, hell, and the grave, when he was in hell and, and took them from the from the devil and walked out of this earth and the tomb stone rolled back and he stepped out and rose again and became our intercessor for eternity. Everything that Jesus Christ worked and earned for, all that stuff is wrapped around us. He said, I have earned the title, the righteousness of God through my works and through my actions and you don't have to earn a thing. You just get it through my grace by believing and trusting in me and now everything that he earned, he wraps his saints in it. His righteousness are wrapped in uh, wrapped around all of the saints, ready to be the bride. And the word her here is used to say themselves. And to themselves, all the people that are the Christians that are in heaven around, a single word representing a multitude of like-minded people, those who had become believers and put their trust in Jesus. Now look at verse number nine. And he saith unto me, write, 
Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is John saying, this angel spoke to him and said, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. You think, you would just, if just to be saying that they're blessed, that's probably the best words you could come up with. But listen, when we were created by God the Father, he created us for one purpose and that was to bless us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's using that same word, blessed again, that all things that he has for us are poured into the ones that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I, John, fell at the, his feet, the angel's feet, to worship him when he heard these words. And, and then the angel starts speaking to John and says, see that you don't do this. I'm your fellow servant. And, and one of your brethren that has the testimony, the very same testimony you do about Jesus Christ. I worship God the same way you do for the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of prophecy. Why? Because we understand Jesus said when we make it to heaven, we'll be like the angels. We're all one in a body that is worshiping God now together. And we're the, the angels saying, hey, Look, no longer am I doing the bidding trying to get you here. You're here. You're part of us now. We are one together. I'm in the same fellowship as you are worshiping God here in heaven for eternity. So don't be bowing down and, and trying to act like I'm something holy because I'm, I'm, I'm on the same level as you are now. That word fellow servant in the Greek word is sundulos, sundulos. Strong's G4889, it's one who with others acknowledges the same Lord, Jesus, and obeys his commands of or like the angels. So the angels telling John, look, you and I is the same here now. There's no difference in us. We're servants of God in the same party now. And look at verse number 11. And I saw heaven open. Now this is, this is where things get really exciting for you and I as the Christians and to see what God is about to do. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Well, who do you think is there? Look how John describes him. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. How do you think those many crowns got there? All the victories and th th things that he was given by the Father and, and we've thrown crown after crown after crown at, at his feet. And I heard one preacher say he's got all the crowns of every saint that's got there on his head at that point in time. Well, that'd be a huge stack of crowns. I don't know that that's what it is, but Jesus has won every victory and deserves every crown and he had a name written on him that no man knew, no man could speak or behold. It's a name that is so holy, so righteous that only Jesus himself has the ability to speak that name. That's what this verse is saying. Verse number 13, it says, he was clothed with a vesture and that word vesture right there in the Greek is a garment or a cloak. It's some sort of overgarment, but it says it's dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. So we know John is saying here right now in the book of Revelation, the same John that wrote John 1 that says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the, nothing was created without him. So he's saying that the, Jesus Christ, the word of God is up on this horse and he's got a garment wrapped around him that's dipped in blood. Now that, that word dipped right there is the Greek word bapto. That's where we get our word baptize and baptizing and Strong's G. Nine 
911. I, I just can't believe that that has to be a coincidence right there. How appropriate of a number to describe the word bapto. Strong's G911. Somebody dial 911 because Jesus Christ is is wearing a cloak. This word bapto, it means immersed and completely dyed by what it was immersed in. So he didn't just have a little dab of do your blood on him. When he was crucified, he shed all his blood and it was carried to heaven with him. He sat down at the mercy seat and he's used that blood as a sacrifice to intercede for you and I ever since he's done it. And now that cloak that he is wearing is dipped in the only blood that, that God the job done 2,000 years ago. It is totally immersed in the only blood that's worthy of eternal payment to eradicate sin and he has saddled up and he's headed back to earth to finish the job of eradicating sin. And if you remember in the previous chapter we spoke about God using the whole battle of Armageddon as bait to lure all all the people that he's going to destroy for the evil lives into that great wine press of wrath and the people on the news. You, you've heard me say this. You've probably seen this yourself. People on the news holding signs saying, if Jesus comes back, kill him again. Well, they're coming to that valley to give that a try and Jesus is coming to that valley to be the bait to lure them in. And listen, it says in verse number 14, the armies which were in heaven, that word armies is everybody inclusive that's part of the body of Christ. He, he's coming back with all of us and we're following him upon white horses ourselves, clothed in fine linen, clothed in his righteousness, white and clean. All of the people who have earned the right through faith in Jesus Christ through his blood, he earned it for us. Let me make sure I clear that up. He earned it for us. He's handed it off to us free and clear as a, as a gift that we didn't deserve. But we are coming back with him and he and his armies are coming back to the earth and he's bringing the blood that he shed with him and pretty much making a statement. You guys shed my blood. I'm showing you how you killed me and the same thing that you did to me, I'm doing to you because you have refused my sacrifice for your sins. And so if it's blood that needs to be sacrificed for sins and you won't accept my blood, blood, then it's time for you to pay up, boys. I'm coming. Now look at verse number 15. It says, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Jesus ain't coming with a weapon in his hand. It says that sword is in that he should smite all nations, that he's going to rule with them a rod of iron and tread the winepress of fierceness, fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Jesus is the one coming back to that winepress, and he's the one that's going to be stomping out the grapes and bleeding the winepress personally here on earth. In verse number 16, he has on his vesture, the vesture that, that has got the blood on it, and on his thigh, written down the side of his thigh, is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And look, here's another angel stepping up to speak in verse number 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the air, these are not uh, spiritual birds anymore. These fowls are actual birds. And, and Jesus spoke to where the eagles gather there, the carcass will be over in Matthew. So this is, this is a prophecy coming to forth because he's saying, this angel says, all the fowls in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourself together under the supper of the great God. The angels calling all the birds of the air to eat the flesh of God's enemies. When Jesus is done with a great wine press, these birds are going to be there to clean up the mess. 
Look at verse 18. He's telling the birds, hey, you can eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And it says, I saw the beast. We're, we're seeing the Antichrist. We're seeing Satan incarnate in the man. And it says, the kings of the earth and their armies, they all gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So they think they're going to fight us. They think they're coming after us and going to fight us, but they're not. They're going to fight the words that come out of Jesus' mouth. In verse number 20, it says, The beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Satan and the Antichrist get cast into hell. The Antichrist and that false prophet, they get thrown into the lake of fire and locked up in hell. And the remnant, those who were left over that were following them, were slain with a sword. It was Jesus' words. It says, Jesus, the one that sat up on the horses, the one that do it, and the sword that proceeded out of his mouth, not a sword in his hand. So his words is going to kill him. And then all the birds of the air were filled with their flesh. See, I can picture my mama right here when she would be angry and sometimes she would say things to you like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And Jesus' words brought these people into the world. He created them and his words took them out literally. It was the last ditch effort for him to try to do something about the sin and get people to change their hearts with this great tribulation. They refused to do it. And the only people that's still alive on earth now are those of us that came with Jesus from heaven and those those who have turned to Christ during the tribulation that were not killed in that great hunt for them from the Antichrist and the earth no longer at this point, saints of God, you should be excited that finally there is a place that's coming to us in the near future that the earth will no longer have sin. There'll no longer be a deceiver, no longer be a tempter present anywhere on the planet. Only Jesus and his servants, his bride, his people, the, the spirit of God the Father all over the planet where he rebuilds the earth and turns it back into the way he originally created it back in the Garden of Eden and there will be no sin, there will be no suffering. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The, the kids will play where the adder plays and, and listen, it's going to be a beautiful place once again just like God created it before Adam and Eve fell and he has avenged the blood of his saints and destroyed those who have been deceived by the enemy. What a wonderful, wonderful time that's going to be to see God send his son to finally eradicate sin and fornication and all the bad things, all the thoughts that you may still have in your head that you're fighting day after day when he purges your mind, when he puts that eye salve in your eyes and causes you to see things the way that God wants you to see them once and for all. What a glorious day it's going to be. And the, pre and the next chapters are going to tell us that we're going to spend a thousand years ruling and reigning with him while this particular atmosphere he has created is there for a whole thousand years. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that your whole new year is invested into Jesus Christ, that you will focus on him and turn to him for everything that you need. Bless you. By the name of Jesus Christ, we'll see you on the next one.